Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is our 759th day together in God's Word, and that brings us to Isaiah 61. Beautiful chapter. It's a chapter that Jesus read from the scroll in the synagogue, the synagogue in Nazareth when he announced the beginning of his public ministry. Uh, he read uh, the opening part of this passage, and then he said, today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. So we know it's directly about Jesus and his ministry. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to see Jesus very clearly in this chapter of his word. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's living, it's active. It is full of your breath breathed out by you. It's the words of eternal life. It's the words that show us your son, who is the word of God incarnate. Father, write Isaiah 61 on our hearts and minds. Help us to understand it. Help us to see Jesus clearly in it. Help us to love you and to follow your son more faithfully because of what you show us today in this chapter of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God 
will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Amen. That is Isaiah 61. Uh, well, back way too far. So we know that Jesus read, as I said, from this scroll when he announced the beginning of his ministry. In particular, verses 1 to 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. When did that happen in the life of Jesus? It happened at his baptism. When he was baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God came down out of the heavens in the form of a dove and rested upon him. And God the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He was anointed. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power is what Peter told Cornelius the centurion in Acts chapter 10. And he anointed him to bring good news to the poor, to bring the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus came. The crowds who followed him were largely the poor, the outcast, the downtrodden, the hopeless. Those who had power saw him as a threat, thought that he was challenging them. And in many ways he was. He was calling them out for being corrupt and for holding the people in ignorance, keeping them from the word of God, keeping them from seeing the kingdom of God. But he came. He came to set people free. He came to release us from our prison and from our oppression. And of course, the deepest bondage that all of us are born in and the deepest prison of oppression that we all need to be freed from is to our sin and to the just condemnation that our sin deserves. We are born guilty, enslaved, condemned. And Jesus comes to set us free. And that's good news. He comes to give us a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. He comes to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. He comes to make of us oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And it has nothing to do with our own deserving it. We saw that yesterday in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's prayer, to us belongs open shame. We have sinned, us and our fathers, we're guilty. But to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. To you, O Lord, belongs mercy. So Jesus comes, he brings the righteousness of God, he brings the mercy of God, and he is the one who does this work for us. He makes us what we are. But what we are is a kingdom of priests to serve our God. What we are are the ransomed and redeemed people of God. What we are are those who have gladness and joy and eternal praise and who have strength from the Holy Spirit and who have fruitfulness by the Holy Spirit and who are called to a mission in the world. And so in verse 4, it starts to get to the mission that we are called to as the people of God in this world. Build up the ancient ruins, raise up former devastations, repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. You see, sin has wreaked havoc upon this world. 
the selfishness, the tribalism, the, the animosity, and we are to be peacemakers and we are to be those who proclaim the gospel of reconciliation to God and to one another and who, and who bring the good news that God has brought salvation and that people can be reconciled to God and that people can be made his oaks of righteousness, his planting, his righteous ones. And there's and there's there's profit in this. There is blessing in this. There is abundance in this. Not necessarily material. This isn't a promise that we're going to be rich and happy and famous and powerful, but it means that we as the people of God will be distinct from the world around us. We will have something, we do have something that the world doesn't have, that they can't buy. We're the priests of the Lord. We're the ministers of our God. Do you have non-Christian family members or friends? And when something goes wrong in their lives and they really need prayer, they turn to you and they say, Hey, I know you're a Christian. I know you believe in God. Would you please pray for me because I have cancer? Or will you please pray for me because my kids are in trouble? Or would you please pray for me because we're going through a really hard time right now? They, The world, even though it, it doesn't, always like or respect Christians, it recognizes that we are the priests of the Lord. We are the ministers of our God. And they do ask us for prayer and they do they do recognize something that even though if they don't like it, they know that it's true. And it has to do with what God has done for us. But then there's also, well, that's true now, there's also, as often happens throughout Isaiah, there's sort of this telescopic view where we're going all the way to the end because you shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. I think that is tied in with the everlasting joy of verse 7. And that comes when Jesus comes again. That's when we, you know, Revelation 21 talks about how the wealth of the nations will be brought into the new Jerusalem and how the glory of the Lord will be in our midst, and we will have an everlasting joy. We will never sorrow again. We talked about this yesterday in our sermon from Isaiah 30 and 31. There is this joy, there's this um, glory, there's this inheritance that is coming to us. So some of this we have now. We are now priests of the Lord. We are now ministers of God. We are now those who are given joy and righteousness and are we are the oaks of, of righteousness but we will be those who inherit the nations and who inherit everlasting joy and how is all of this going to happen it's because of the everlasting covenant god makes with us verse 8 and what is that everlasting covenant it's the new covenant that jesus refers to that's made in his blood the new covenant in his blood which washes away all of our sins, which reconciles us to God, allows us to be adopted by God as his children, sanctifies us and makes us priests of God. It's the covenant of grace, the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what gives us all of these benefits and all of these blessings. In other words, it's the work of Jesus on our behalf and who we are in Christ, not who we are in ourselves. 
And this is a promise, as all God's covenant promises are, that is not just for us, but is for our offspring and for our descendants. Consistently throughout Scripture, when God enters into covenant with his people, he's always saying that it's for you and for your children. It's for you and for your offspring. It's for you and for your descendants. And so we are called to rejoice in the Lord and to exult in God, remembering what he has given us. You may feel discouraged for one reason or another. You may have some struggles in your life, some things that are hard, some things that you don't understand. But here is why you can have great joy. And here is why you can exult. Because God has, in his son Jesus Christ, clothed you with garments of salvation. He has covered you with the robe of righteousness, the very righteousness of his son. We are the beautiful bride of Christ. And Christ is our wonderful bridegroom. And we, we are blessed. We are loved. We are cherished. And that is every reason to rejoice, no matter what's going on in our lives. Those are the eternal and unshakable things. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of our salvation. Thank you for the glory of our Savior. Thank you for your everlasting love. Thank you for the covenant fulfilled in Christ, which we receive the blessing and benefit of generations after Jesus, and that you're passing on to our children and our children's children, because you are good. We don't deserve it. We don't even fully understand it. And yet we receive it by your grace and for your glory. And we say, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Isaiah 61. Thanks for joining me for it. Isaiah 62 is on tap for tomorrow. Hope you can join me for that. And as always, I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.